In episode 10.4 of Unshuffled, we discuss the fourth album from Paul Bearer. It's called Forgotten Days. So, let's get into it. Welcome listeners, welcome to Unshuffled, we're bringing back the album, and a big hi to our growing international audience. Uh, I'm your host Matt, joining me as he always does, is Mr. Scotland D, my man in Japan. Hi Scott. Hey Matt, hi everybody. Today we are talking about Paul Bearer, Forgotten Days, it's their fourth album, the release date for this one was October 23rd of 2020. I think that it's probably worth noting, and most of the listeners probably have this on their calendar, but of course my birthday is October 24th, so this was released the day before my birthday, which made it extra special. Uh, it was produced by Randall Dunn, who had Where were you with- then? Because we, we'd, we'd started the podcast and then we'd spread off, off to our separate parts of the world. Where, where had you gone then? You were back in the States then? No, I think th- this was 2020, October 23rd, 2020. Uh, oh, you I stayed think, in Indonesia, didn't you? I think this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is after we had we had been evacuated from Indonesia, and then we had been green light, green lit back in in like August or September. Oh, oh I know exactly where I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had to do, because we couldn't go anywhere, so we did a staycation, whatever, whatever that's worth, and we just went and had dinner at a place in Jakarta. Right. Not okay. that exciting. It wasn't that exciting. Uh, anyway, so Randall Dunn, producer, had done, uh, he's worked with Sun O. He'd worked with Jesse Sykes, who uh, she actually, just a little known fact, she lives in uh, she lives in Iowa. Thurston Moore, uh, Earth, Bjork, he, he's done like a huge sort of swath of different genres. Uh, their label, this I is I don't the, know some of those people. I don't know some of those people. Jesse Sykes. What are they, pop artists? Well, Jesse Sykes is more of like an indie. She works with one of the guys from uh, from Whiskey Town. Do you remember Whiskey Town? Nah. Hmm. Uh, anyway, and Thurston Moore is um, shoot. You know Thurston Moore, isn't he? Thurston Moore is Sonic Youth, right? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Hold on. Googling, googling, Google. Yes. Okay. I didn't. I was afraid to say that and be wrong. Yes, Thurston Moore, Sonic Youth, and then Bjork. I, I don't need to explain that, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So anyway, this is their first album on the new label, Nuclear Blast, uh, which is home to, if I'll continue name dropping here, or at one point was home to Slayer, Exodus, Testament, Overkill, pretty rock star lineup. Um, It was recorded at two different places. It was recorded at Figure 8 and Sonic Ranch. The artwork was again done by uh, Michael Lierly. Lierly? Lierly? They say it in the video. I think it's Lierly. And then the lineup is the, we got the same lineup they've as the last album. Brett Campbell on vocals, guitars, and synthesizer. Uh, Joseph D. Roland on vocals, bass, synthesizer, and then I think he plays like a contra guitar, which is old school. Like if you listen what to does that, mean so the contra contra guitar? contra guitar is. Um, I, I listened to this thing. All these old country songs, they would double the bass with a contra guitar. It's like the step between the guitar and the bass guitar. Right. 
anyway, then Devin Holt does guitar and backing vocals and Mark Learley on drums. Yeah, they seem pretty settled. Uh, you know, I don't think the lineup's changed for a few albums now. It's not since the first one. No, right? The one thing they do change is their producer. Uh, so they, um, this is a, their third different producer in three albums. So that's changing. And, of course, the studio and everything that goes with it. Uh, where did you say this was recorded? So what I saw was two different... There are two different studios. One was Figure Eight and one was Sonic Ranch. I believe one's in Texas and the other one's in New York. Texas and New York, okay. Right. The video in the show notes, they refer to the one in Texas, right? Oh, yeah. They, they Sonic Ranch is El Paso. Yeah. And then Figure Eight's in Brooklyn. Okay. So there it is. Okay. Uh, interesting. Um, now, a reminder, listeners, if you haven't listened to this album, Forgotten Days by Paul Bearer, you should go and do so now. Uh, press pause on on the podcast and come back to us later, even if you just listen to it once or twice through. Uh, we're going to unpack and unpick four tracks each and um, you know talk about them in some detail. But you know, you'll get more out of our conversation if you've already listened to the album. So... Press pause, go and have a listen and come back to us. It's well worth a listen. We try and pick good albums on this podcast. And, uh, you know, uh, I think we've got another good one here, spoiler alert. So go and have a listen now. Come back and listen to us. With that said, let's go. As always, we're going to start. So we've got four categories here, four categories of song to discuss. Really, it's three and, and a bit, three main categories and then. Uh, we'll see if there's anything closely resembling filler, but uh, with this band's track record, it's unlikely. Hmm. Let's start with the opener, which gives us something in common to discuss. The opener is the title track. What are your thoughts on the track? Forgotten I like days. it. I, I mean, I like it. it. It sort of kind of starts with that detuned, distorted wall of guitar, guitar that kind of builds. It gives it sort of a sludgy feel. You can tell the production is... I mean, that their kind of money has been, more money was kind of put into this album just from the sound. It's, it, it, the song itself, it, 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 and the whole album, I think, does this, where it kind of, they are playing with sound a lot, where it goes from sound, sort of like sludgy and muddy and then will clear up in certain parts, right? So it's kind of like a slutty, mudgy verse and then kind of clears up in the chorus. Um, I, I like the chorus. I like the way that they, they play with rhythm a lot in this album too. And this core, I think that this first track shows it in the chorus. There's like those last two lines of the chorus where the music kind of just hangs on them, right? There's like a rhythm shift when it comes to the chorus. And then it just like hits that sludge again. Uh, I think it's, mm. it's a solid opening track. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's sort of built around that big, swaggering riff which arguably they'd moved away from on heartless i thought that mm. it was less riff centric heartless but uh, here we're just straight back this is a big almost sort of matt pike sort of heavy heavy riff which i really enjoyed and yeah i love the riff through the you know as they introduce the riff and then sort of play around with a little bit in a couple of points it just stops you know when the the whole band just stops for a second and then the riff resumes. I love that effect. 
Uh, and you're right, yeah, then, and there's a sort of gentler section and, and later on when the whole song shifts and changes. But uh, um, really enjoyed it. Just um, very sort of straightforward. They were getting quite proggy on the previous album. We, we noticed that this is a much more straight down the line song. And I think it's kind of sets the tone for the album in that way. And, um, you know, but it's not without uh, nuance and, um, you know, some lovely vocal harmonies in that, in that gentler section, some beautiful bass playing throughout that gentler section as well. Um, and some sort of clever guitar effects throughout. So yeah, that, that production that you mentioned is, is evident here. Um, I think you'd mentioned sort of moving away from the proggy. I, I did feel like this album moved. It's not as doomy or proggy. Mm. Yeah, it's like the song structures are, are more straightforward, and yet yeah. there's still a lot of experimentation with sound. This album, to me, is actually the perfect example of why we do what we're doing, because I can yeah. absolutely hear, and I think I'll talk about that at some point here, where you hear, I mean, the band has changed its sound, but the old sort of feel is still in there. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah, kind sure. of like reconfigured. Yeah. And yeah, I, think, I love hearing, I love hearing the evolution of bands. And I think like if you were to listen to this album and then go back and listen to the first album, it sounds like two completely different bands. But if you listen to the sort of that evolution, as you just said, you hear where it all just this is the equation that it sort of adds up to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I really liked it. It's a, it's a very effective opener, I thought. And just that riff is it kept, kept me coming back. I, I kept looking forward to hearing that riff. Hearing that riff again and again. Um, it wasn't my favorite on the album, though, but it's a very good one. But uh, our next category of song is The Killer. So that was our opener. Well, now we move on to The Killer, where we nominate our best track from the album. So I'm interested to hear what yours is. I have The Quicksand of Existing. Ah. Um, track I, five. Track five. I uh, And actually, it might even be, is it the shortest? I mean, barely, but I think it's the shortest song on the album. It is by like a second. It, anyway, I love everything about this song. It, it's got like that cool chuggy bass opening. And then again, what I was kind of talking about earlier, it's got like that guitar solo comes in muddy. And then that gives way to like this clean dual guitar sound. It's got sort of the sludgy slowed down bits with like this crunchy pulsing guitar. It's like kind of just like to accentuate the end of it. The drums kind of go from sort of like very controlled to manic, depending on where they are in the song. And I love how it bleeds straight into vengeance and ruination. Like it doesn't end. The song doesn't end. It's, it's, yeah, it just goes I on that forever. Was really interesting. That's really interesting the way they do that. And I almost felt like I know that Vengeance and Ruination was written by, um, they were both, what, uh, Quicksand of Existing, the lyrics were written by Rowland, Vengeance and Ruination were written by Campbell. But it felt like old Paul Bear might have put just put those two songs together and called it one track. Mm. Yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, I don't have a lot to add on the Quicksand of Existing other than one thing that sets this album, I think, apart from, say, the first album is the way they mix the pace 
of songs. So this so quicksand of existing. Now, I, I don't know where a side A and a side B. I, I'm guessing maybe it's the first. If you had it out, if you had it on vinyl, it might be the first on a side B. But after Silver Wings, which I'm about to talk about in a moment, which was a long, slow, twelve-minute song with a really sort of extended orchestral section near the end, then you come into this fast, angry, and again, very riff-focused song here, which I thought it just makes for a much easier listening, much less demanding on the listener when you've got these changes of pace, things to, you know, obvious points of, of difference between songs. All right, so good good pick, Scotty. I like it. Um, I'm My... Killer, if you haven't already guessed, is the song before, Silver Wings, which is the longest song, song on the album by far. And, you know, remember when they started out, all their songs were 10, 10 minutes plus. It's now becoming a rare thing. So whereas arguably, you know, a 10-minute song, like, oh, not another 10-minute song. Now on this album full of shorter songs, so, oh, cool, hmm. we get a longer song to, to uh, sort of settle into and enjoy. So you remember the last song on Heartless? I can't remember what it was called. A Plea for Understanding? Um, it was about this length. But, but looking back, and I, you know, I, I was, it was probably the weakest part of the album, this song that felt like it just kept going and going when it, it probably should have wound up. A few minutes earlier, this I never had that that feeling with Silver Wings. It is a very slow and sad song. There's a great vocal performance here, and throughout the album, I mean, every album he's grown vocally, and he's really exposed on this song. Uh, and and he's he's a very talented vocalist. I think he's in his genre. I, it's hard to think of a better vocalist. Um you know, post-Aussie at least. Hmm. And then, like, it still has this riff. It still has a big swinging riff about halfway through. But, you know, this amazing riff in, right in the middle of it all. Uh, it's a, um, you know, the I cannot remember. That, that bit I love. And then the final verse it is beautiful. I've been playing a lot of Civilization lately, much to my wife's. Uh, chagrin, but um, th there's a very civilization vibe to this, um, and I'm sure you, I'm sure you're familiar with the Aussie Mandius. <laughs> yes, the Aussie Mandius poem, and this is this is very Aussie Mandius. This is about the sort of the endless march of time and how all things fade into the sea eventually. Um, so this is sort of epic. This is truly epic. It's epic in length. It's epic. You know, it's about the rise and fall of civilizations and perhaps even humanity as it all sort of dissolves and uh, gets washed away in the end. So I, I love the scope of this. It's, it's just so huge. And then, and to cap it off, it, we get this final movement, this this slow doleful riff and then the synths take over it's it's very orchestral very cinematic a beautiful finish to the song that the last minute or two as the synth sort of 
take over from the guitars and, and take it out. So a very long song, but never felt too long to me and just a lovely orchestral and, um, and very moving piece. Yep. So I guess if I add anything, I'm talking about my standout moment. Yep. So I'm just going to jump into that then that the, yep. um, that synth breakdown that you were just talking about, that was sort of my standout moment of the album. Mine too. Okay. Um, I just, that's, I, that's my standout moment too. That, the last couple of minutes of that song are my yeah. standout. Well, and I talked about the whole song as a whole. I mean, I talked about the fact that the song was placed on the album as a whole, just that it, it, it is sort of a callback, kind of what I was talking about earlier. It's a callback to kind of the epic songs. It's, it's a callback to old uh, Paul Bear. Um, but that, that moment, yeah, that, that you just talked about and was absolutely kind of a, a moment worth noting on this album. Yes, for sure. For sure. Great stuff. Well done, Paul Bearer. Yeah. Nice. You got a grower? I got a grower. Um, mm -hmm. Rite of Passage. Yeah. It, uh, again, starts with a cool bass run that uh, leads into the guitar riff. Um, and something about this song feels familiar and I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure if it reminds me of another song or if it feels like a grown up version of the earlier stuff, but something in the song when I first heard it felt really familiar to me. Is it in the chorus? I don't know. I, I now that you mentioned it, I, I kind of see what you mean. Yeah. There was something yeah, where I was like, I've, I've heard this or I've heard something like this. And, and like I said, I don't, I, I was never able to play and I, I racked my brain to figure out, is this remind me of another song or does it remind me of Paul Bear? And I'm not, I still don't have an yeah. answer to that. Um, yeah. but I, I like, I really like how the, just you mentioned the chorus. I really like how the chorus kind of fits in contrast with the verse. Uh, yeah. it's, it's like all detuned, right. But the verse has kind of this sort of more minor key vibe and then kind of everything gets all uplifted for a moment in the chorus and then kind of comes crashing back down. There's some um, really high singing in that chorus. The, mm. the, the harmony section is right up high. Yeah. Very impressive range in that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's my grower. How about you? Yeah. Um, well, just for a little more on Rite of Passage. Oh, right. Firstly, normally we're on Filler Watch at that point of the album, right? Right. So, right. Yeah, so that track seven, you know, we're getting towards the end. And uh oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, impressive that they, that this is such a consistent album, I thought. Like, the, there's no weak spots on this album. And um, the bass, yeah, yeah, you haven't spoken about the bass yet. Maybe you're waiting for the band Brownlow, but um, well, I talked about how it opens up with like that cool run. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> right throughout, really good bass playing. Mm. Uh, My Grow is probably the last track. I mean, it, the whole album kind of just we've had a fair bit of time between recording the last one and this one, so really. The whole album's grown and grown, but um, Caledonia, probably because I spent so long listening to the first four or five songs and didn't didn't really get to to the last songs, didn't really focus on the last songs until later. So Caledonia, um, maybe because I was expecting a week, a slightly weaker song, but at, at the la at the end. Um, but it's not. It's um, it's it's another really slow, sad one like Silver Wings. So I'm guessing side A and side B on a vinyl. But you know they're both the slow, sad ones. Hmm. 
Um, but again, this one's got the synths. And I love the synths on this album. We'll talk about those in a minute. And there's a part in Caledonia, and again, the bass. And I'm, I'm talking bass a lot. There's almost like a duel here in Caledonia. It's like a bass solo, guitar soloist duel. They're almost dueling. He goes really right up high on the neck in that section. Anyway, I just thought it was a suitably epic <clears throat> finish to the album. And, and again, they've, they've managed to produce an epic, a long epic song without it ever feeling like it was going on a little bit too long. So, you know, that's a, that's a credit to them. So Caledonia was my grower on a on an otherwise you know on an album of growers really have you got anything at all we've been very positive so far now filler i mean we started this thinking is there a weak song but you know we we try and pick good albums and I, you know i don't think we've actually had a genuine filler since the runaways but have you got anything less than positive to say from from start to finish on this album i mean so no I, my my filler i had a question mark i kind of for i guess when we get to like may, may, maybe i mean like i have it in my what were they thinking yeah where i, I talk about stasis mm. where i just stasis but the whole thing is, is it's a good song i just mentioned that it feels different from their typical output and, it, and this is the one where we were kind of talking about i in that interview where they talk about the eventide h3000 and i yeah. think i can i feel like i can definitely hear like the space laser effects in this song and i'm 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 always a sucker for space lasers yeah. in my Do you think they, they overdid it here or something in my music no i just heard it it's just kind of there in the background and i it wasn't something that i heard until after when they were talking about it in the interview it as an interview we'll link to that interview in the show notes I, I guess the way that it felt it felt stylistically this song feels different and it's that but not in a bad way and it feels like a potential future direction to be honest with you i guess the way that i described it is it's almost like the, and i think this is the song where i was talking when i had mentioned earlier that i can hear especially hear traces of old paul bear kind of getting sort of intertwined with this new direction and it, it felt almost like a rock song colored by doom crayons right it's four I mean, minutes long can, yeah. can you imagine you know, when, when we first started with this band, can you imagine saying in four albums time, they'll be playing four minute songs? Right, 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 right. It, but I wrestled with whether or not Stasis was the grower for me too. Um, right. But it it just, I, I thought it was worth mentioning just in how different. It, it just felt constructed differently than the rest of the It's song. almost catchy, Stasis. Yeah, yeah. Again, not in a bad thing. Not in a bad. No. I'm, not, I'm not isolating it for a negative reason. Just, yeah, it's just different. Yeah. Um, so the only, my only negative thing that I that I will say about this album is that I don't think the drum production is as good as it could be. I don't think the drums have enough punch. Yeah, I don't disagree. At times, so there's a there's a song. So you mentioned. Quicksand of Existence into Vengeance and Ruination. Vengeance of Ruinations has that bit that, you know, near the, right near the start where the one track bleeds into the next, that doom, 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 that where the drums are isolated. And, and like, that should knock you over, you know? Hmm. That was the first time I noticed it. And then I went on repeated listens. I was like, well, I don't know if these drums, I don't know if there's enough, you know, you want that kick drum to sort of 
you know, rattle your rib cage. And I don't think it does. And, and the snares never really quite snappy enough. The toms don't really, I don't know. I think in a doom band, I really want those drums to just thunder over the top of everything else. And I'm, I'm not sure they do. It's a little muffled, almost like there's a blanket over the drums or something, which yeah. might be a, which might be something to do with the fact that this guy doesn't really do much in the genre. He's, he's sort of more poppy and, I don't know. Maybe that's it. I'm not sure. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's interesting that you noticed or that you mentioned that because I didn't realize that that was something that I was also noticing. But when I talked about the drums in uh, the killer quicksand of existing, it that I I really had to go back and listen intently on the drums. Yeah. Like I had to go back and specifically where it was just like, wait, wait, what's the drums are doing there? And I went back and listened again specifically to hear the drums. And you're right. It didn't jump out. It was something I had to go back and seek out. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're going to err one way or the other, I'd prefer too much drums yeah. to too little. Right? I'm with you. Go big uh, on the drums. Genre. Yeah. And I just feel like, because <clears throat> the space in, in doom, because there's so much space in the, in the drumming, it, it's okay. You know, just let them, let them, come to the forefront hmm. and um yeah i guess that would be my only complaint i just don't think the drum production's quite and we've been spoiled i guess with some of the drum drum drumming production we've had over the over the journey you think back to gojira and ghost i mean the ghost was so good at recording drums um on those last couple of albums in particular I think Impera is just remember, remember Impera. Yeah, what, what a great sounding album. Yeah, uh, and Meliora was amazing. But yeah, you did. I mean, the drums in those things. The, just the amount of effort that goes into just recording a snare or a, a kick drum. And I, I, you know, I don't. I just don't feel it on this album, unfortunately. Um, but otherwise, an excellent album. Thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, we've got a few little awards, little mini awards to give out, and then we'll get into the band, band Brownlow. So we've got the standout moment. We've already, we've already done that. We, we rarely agree. We had the exact same standout moment, the last minute or two of Silver Wings. Yeah. Uh, standout lyric. You got a lyric that I, stood out to you? So that's kind of where I touched on Caledonia. So... I guess I didn't know this on the first couple of listens. It was again the interview that we're gonna bring up, but I, I didn't. I didn't realize that this album was reflecting on uh, the loss of was it Joseph Rowland's mother, right? Yeah. Um, and so learning that the lyrics of Caledonia, I guess, hit harder, right? Once you kind of realized that that was what this was about, was when the lyrics, I think sort of it was just like oh i see okay and so there's the kind of the the song starts with i wasn't prepared to face the final hues to watch the color fade and let go of my youth like that idea of letting go of my youth right i just yeah. that was and then later on it says something about um hardly muster a goodbye pleading for numbness to arrive i mean i think that kind of sort of but thankfully i mean i, I don't know what this feels like but uh I can imagine, and and I think he does a seemingly good job of kind of portraying that emotion, putting it into yeah. words. Hmm. And it wasn't that. Uh, do you remember? Was it Gojira's Magma that was sort of same? Yeah, right. Yeah, that was a similar theme. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, so anyway, yeah, the, the lyrics of Caledonia, I think, are the ones that I put down as notable lyrics. Mm. Um, yeah, good lyrics. Um, my, my standout lyrics were, what song was it? The ones about the true measure of power. Where is that? The true measure of power. The ability to inflict cruelty with impunity. That's vengeance and ruination. Yeah. Yep. So it's towards the end of vengeance and ruination. The true measure of power, the ability to inflict cruelty with impunity. One of the reasons I thought that was um, so powerful was because of what's happening in the world at the moment, you know, Mm. Uh, this horrible situation that's unfolding in Gaza and the imbalance of power in that, in that region. I don't want to get political, but you know, that, that sort of, (laughs) obviously they weren't thinking about that when they were writing it, but I just thought that, I don't know if that's a quote from someone Um, or if that's their own words. Can you Google it for me while we're talking? The true measure of power is the, it sounds like a, a philosopher's quote or something, right? But uh, if it's not, then I mean, it's well done then. I have nothing coming up. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, it's such a, <laughs> it's such a good quote. Yeah, so yeah, I thought that was very well written, very philosophical, very powerful. Hmm. Yeah. I'm still looking and uh, I'm not seeing nothing. It. Okay, cool. Well, well done, Paul Bearer. Uh, any other categories? What were they thinking? Oh, yeah, you've kind of had that already, right? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, I was going to mention the one of the things that almost turned us off this band, because we're both parents, was the cover artwork. We haven't talked about the artwork yet, so maybe this is our chance. Normally, we'd, we'd talk about the artwork in the, in the early stages of, of our chat, but we, we didn't get to it today. Uh, it's a sad image. It, it seems like a family supporting a mother with a child. Now, when I first saw this artwork, I thought, oh, no, that child's died. But right. looking at it now, it's got its hands up. So maybe it hasn't. So what's this artwork saying? I mean, I guess I sort of took it to mean that... I, th- I think it's th- there's an interview with uh, was it Michael Lairley where he talks about how the in the lyrics influenced his design of this and I think it's the sort of the loss of a mother um, and I think that that like the two sort of spectral beings behind the woman are with their hands on her shoulder are possibly I, I think it, yeah, yeah yeah I think so we're just seeing generations here um, okay, and I think you've got sort of the, the the baby reaching up for the mother who was you know obviously or now is no longer with us. Is my thought? Right. Okay. Is my okay. thought? Okay. Uh, yeah. So I guess it's not quite what were they thinking, but what what am I thinking? <laughs> like, <laughs> it makes sense to me now that you talk about now that you mention some of the lyrical motivations and I can see, yeah, okay. It's, a, it's all right. I've always liked this guy's artwork. I love the one on the previous album. Mm-hmm. This one, I just couldn't quite work it out, but maybe, 
maybe that's my problem, not his. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the the rest of the cover artwork. There's an interesting as you open the CD cover. There's a uh, let me show it to you. You can uh, see oh, this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it sort of harkens back to that stone giant on the previous album oh, yeah. with the mountains in the background and. I, like, I quite like that one, perhaps more than the other one, but I guess they'd already used the the giant and the mountains, so yeah. they couldn't go back to that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I like this guy's <laughs> art. I just couldn't quite work out what he was trying to say. But, yeah, I guess it makes sense now. And um, one, one other thing I'll say about this CD compared to the previous ones, and I do buy the CDs, listener, as you should too, is um, this one comes in a jewel case. The other ones were in those little fold-out cardboard sleeves. This one, you get the full plastic. See, <laughs> it's, it's the it's money. Going to, those, going to those big labels. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's the money from the label. Yeah. There's also a nice picture on the back of some incense burning on a windowsill, which I really like too. Oh. Yeah. Or a candle, or an extinguished candle, maybe. That's even even more uh, meaningful and deep. Anyway, good. All right. So um, what are they going to do next is another question, because this is uh, the last of their albums that we have so far. I think they're touring at the moment or maybe winding up a tour, so I'm sure they'll, they'll record soon enough and I'm, I'm really fascinated to see what they do next how far they go with this leap into this more accessible material no agreed agreed yeah well how much i guess i didn't look how much time it passed from it's like three years i think right three years yeah, yeah. i guess the recording for this was done pre-code and then and then they sort of wrapped it up and, and I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Bam Brownlow? Yeah. You want, you want to start this one? All right. Let me start. Uh, so here, look, for unfamiliar listeners, we, uh, we try and rate the performance of the band members and we, from third best to best on ground. The Brownlow is an, is an Australian football concept. Well, they pick the best player in every game for the season, and we're going to try and do the, the same with this album. One thing I was thinking, on listening to our previous podcast, we both voted for the guitarist as the best on ground, the best performance. But then thinking back now, I mean, it's hard to tell how much of it is Brett Campbell and how much of it is, is Joseph Rowland. So it makes me reluctant to, to go down that path again, even though the guitar performance is excellent. I'm not sure that we I'm not sure how much who's playing the solos. Is it Roland or is it Campbell? Uh, yeah. I guess I assume it's Roland. I that yeah. I mean I'm assuming that, that Campbell's sort of laying down the rhythm and, and Roland or um or sorry, Campbell's laying down the rhythm and uh uh Holt is Oh, so there's Holt as well. Sorry, Holt. Not... Isn't Holt is the Holt's the lead guitar player? Yeah, sorry, Roland's bass. Roland's yeah, bass. Yeah. Yeah, we both gave it to Holt last time, but yeah, I'm not. I'm just not entirely willing to 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 swear 
that Campbell's not playing some of those solos or, or all. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, with that in mind, I loved and, – and the drumming performance on this is excellent, but the production's going to drag Mark Lely out of my top my top four on this one. No, it, it's more his producer's fault than his fault. So, but, you know, sorry, Mark, you should have spoken up. <laughs> Be more assertive. Um <laughs> So I'm going to give my three votes, my best on ground to a, a <laughs> the band member who I have mentioned the most so far, which is the bass player Joseph D. Roland, who also and and the I love the uh, contributions to the backing vocals from all of the band members. Well, Devin Holt and Joseph Roland, but I really love the bass on this, and he's got synthesizer credits credits as well. So he seems to be messing about with with those 80s synths too. So I really like Joseph Rowland's performance and there's some outstanding bass playing throughout this album. So he gets my three votes. I'll give Brett Campbell two and Devin Holt one. Um, Brett Campbell's vocals are superb and um, I can't speak highly enough of him and Devin Holt. I don't know how much of the guitar is his, his rhythm and lead, but I like the guitars on this album, so he gets one. How about you? Yeah, it's the exact same as yours. Hey, it's, it's yeah. It goes. I've got Roland three, uh, Campbell two, Holt one. Ah, uh, well, bass player gets three votes, which means you listener have to take a drink from uh, when Scott gives the bass player three <laughs> votes. Um, if if we're if we're keeping track at home, then the final tally. Oh yeah. Now all is said and done, our winner of the Paul Bearer sort of their whole catalog is yeah. Joseph Rowland has 20. Right. Brett Campbell has 17. Wow. Yeah. Devin Holt has seven. No way. And <laughs> and Mark Larry has three. Right. And Zach Stein. Anybody remember Zach Stein? <laughs> He's got one. Uh, good on you, Zach. I wonder what he's doing now. Right, yeah, that's a fair question. I can't believe Brett Campbell isn't the best performer overall, given he's such a good singer. But anyway. Yeah. Well, you know uh, what? We keep – it It might be my fault. Sorry, Brett. Uh, <laughs> I, I seem to continue – no, you know what? No, it's not my fault. It's your fault. No, it's my fault. It's – no, wait, hold up. It's nobody's fault. It's just <laughs> it's Brett's fault. We're all over the place. No, because I was trying to realize like the first album. It just you wasn't put, good enough. <laughs> you actually put him in the top for two of them. Yeah. And I put him in the yeah. top for one of them. But he was always my number okay. two. All right. Just fascinating. Wow. Fascinating. Riveting for yeah. the for the listener, this is, right? This is what they tune in for, this sort of stuff. Uh, we should share the spreadsheet as well on our on our show notes, perhaps. Right. You do keep it in a spreadsheet, right? Yeah, yeah. I've got it all updated yeah, right you now. You get the graphs and the, the got it the all updated and, right now. Box and whisker charts and it's all there. Cool. All right. Cool. Share it with me. I'll, I'll pop it. It's a already it. shared with you, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. No, it's not. All right. Share it. All right. Share it. I'll share it with the listeners. Okay. Um, we well, a couple of things. Firstly. I saw Atomic Bitchwax a few weeks ago. Oh, right. The right. Atomic Bitchwax. Um, so there's that. 
remember, I, it wasn't long ago I said to you, if I could pick any band I wanted to see, it would be the Atomic Bitchwax, and then I went and saw them. Um, and they were great. And I, I so unfortunately, they didn't play in Lisbon. I live in Lisbon. They played in Porto. And I bought tickets thinking, oh, cool, I'll be able to head up to Porto, stay the night, come back to Lisbon the next day. What I didn't realise was it was a Sunday night and I had to be standing in front of a classroom teaching mathematics at 8.30 the next morning. Um, so I did it and um, I caught the last train back from Porto to Lisbon, which left about 1am and got to Lisbon about 5am and then... Caught a taxi home, had a shower and, and got dressed and went to school. <laughs> wasn't my best day of teaching, but it was well worth it. Um, they were great. And I guess an underrated thing about a band, an underrated sort of metric is how good they are on one axis mm-hmm. versus how many fans go to see them at a gig on another axis right mm-hmm. like what you want is a is a band that's amazing that no one goes to see so that you, when you go and see them you're not like metallica are amazing right they're an amazing band we all agree with that right but you want to go see metallica you're gonna to have to pay 300 bucks and sit in the bleachers and, and look at them on the on the giant screens rather than, like so that's not actually that good and i like if metallica played in lisbon i'd may not go and see them even but but when you get a band that's amazing that hardly anyone goes to see like i was standing at chris kosnick's feet for the entire gig and um and they played they played so well and like um really tight and uh the, the crowd were getting into it a small small crowd just a sort of maybe 150 200 people and then at the end of the gig, they play, they did their thing, and then Chris Kosnick's just wandering around at the end of the gig saying hi to people. And I shook his hand and said, like, just to do that is just, I mean, this guy's um, one of the best bass players I've ever seen. And I saw him from two metres away and then shook his hand at the end. I mean, to me, that, uh, that that's priceless. So I don't know. We need to work out. There needs to be some sort of metric for this, like, but but a band of that quality, with that has never got the uh, credit they deserve. They should, and and they know it themselves. You know, they were looking for it throughout their career. They, we want to be like Queens of the Stone Age. He played with Monster Magnet. Like, well, why am I standing up there back here with Monster Magnet? They're no better than what we do. But uh, anyway, just funny how life works out. But it works out well for us when it when it. Uh, when we get to see, when I got to see a band like that so close and uh, in such a small, intimate venue, and it was a really good gig. I I agree with every like I that was kind of the feeling that I had when um, that I guess that was the beauty of going to see shows here in Japan too is that when I went to see Gojira, it yeah similar it was there was only a couple hundred of us yeah and it was just right there. Mm. um yeah no i i agree i but it's uh, i mean but you want at the same time you want the band to be massive so that they're yeah it kind of sucks for the band but it's great great for you as a fan right Uh, 
Uh, anyway, so that was my that was my trip to Porto to see. It was a lovely town, by the way. I didn't see much of it, but a beautiful little city up up in the north of Portugal on the river there. Um, okay, so there's that. And, and look, the other problem we've got is that we don't know what band we're listening to next. Right. <laughs> now, we had spoken about, we, we'd been texting listeners about, should we just do Sleep Token next? And we both kind of agreed to that at one point. I'd listen to a few of their songs because you know, there's so much hype around this band Sleep Token at the moment. But after Paul Bearer, I think I want to change a pace. And I'm, I don't think I want to go from this into something else, some, another emotional sort of slow-paced heart, heart tugger. I want something a bit more, I don't know, I'm, I don't know. I'm almost, I'm, I almost think maybe we should step outside the, the middle genre for a moment before we dive back in. I'm, yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, well... <laughs> I'll tell you what we'll do, uh, listeners. We we will um, finish up with this episode and then we'll go and um, have a separate chat and we'll release that as a separate episode where we think our way through this uh, and, um, and we'll release that separately. We'll, we'll come up with a band that might not be our, our usual fare. I mean, we lean heavy, but uh, there's nothing to say we... and. Uh, yeah, there's nothing to say we always have to do a heavy band. I think after something is crushing and I mean, it started out crushingly heavy and, it, and, and it, they've always been a very emotional, there's always been an emotional weight with this band and, uh, and uh, as great as they've been, uh, I think I'm ready for something a little lighter. So let's go and have that chat at the end of this episode, Scott. But you want to just finish up uh, with your thoughts on Paul Bearer, and then uh, we'll we'll say a farewells and go pick another band. Yeah, sounds good. Um, I yeah, no, 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 I've enjoyed listening to this band. It's one that another one where I've enjoyed the evolution of the band. I think that we've done. I think we've done really well at picking bands that show clear evidence of evolving. Right where yeah. it's not. We're not just listening to the same album hmm. on repeat. So yeah, I, I've actually, and I'm really curious. This is a band where I'm really curious to see where. I, I have no idea where they're going to go next. I have no idea what yeah. the next album will sound like. Yeah, love to see them live too. Yeah, agreed. I'd travel to Porto for that as well. Hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I've really enjoyed them, and so nice to hear a really heavy band with such a great singer it's such a uh, often you don't get to hear the two um, together and and i think his vocals he's always been a good singer but he's just gotten more confident and more willing to uh to to sort of let his vocals shine through as, from album from album to album and i think that he also the supporting cast of vocalists is you know there's some really nice harmonies and backing vocals that that together make a really um, really effective vocal performance. So yeah, enjoyed the band and, and, and um, looking forward to the next one. And whenever they release it, listeners, we will cover it here. Probably, I'm expecting 2024, perhaps for a new release. So when it happens, you will hear our take on what should be an excellent next album. Uh, all right, we'll wrap things up and we'll go and have a chat about what to do next. So. Anyway, 
just quickly, thank you, listeners. As always, we do appreciate you uh, tuning in. It's uh, it's always nice to see the map light up from all different parts of the world, and, and we appreciate the fact that anyone listens at all. But um, you know, but it's it's really nice. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, you can contact us uh, through. Well, all the past episodes are on our website, unshuffledpod.com, including show notes, which we it usually takes me a few days, but I'll get there eventually. There's a link to a, an interview that you should check out uh, on that. We didn't even speak about the film clip, but the, that's there as well. We're on Twitter, un, at unshuffledpod. We've got an email address, unshuffledpod at gmail.com, which I probably should have checked, from, but I will check before the next episode. Uh, so, yeah, contact us if you have anything, any thoughts on what we've spoken about or any suggestions for future bands or whatever. Or you want to sell us some some books as Martin Popoff uh, does. Thank you, Smallstone, for giving us permission to use the excellent uh, music that you hear in the opening track. The band is called Seven Planets. The album is called Explorer and the track is called Vanguard. So go and check that out and check out Small Stone's Bandcamp page. There's a lot of great bands on that. So you can have a listen to stuff for free and then buy the CDs or download download the Flax or whatever you want. So Small Stone are a great label and a, and a, and a really great friend of our podcast. So check those. Check them out too. With that said, we've got another discussion to have now, Scott. So let's go and do that. And uh, listeners... You can tune in for that, or you can just uh, skip that, and, and you, you'll soon see which band we've picked when, when our next episode pops up in your feed. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Scott, and we'll, I'll speak to you again soon. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Thank you, listener. And uh, we'll talk soon.